We have phenomenal people here this morning, and they're sweet. Some people are sweet as lemon, but then you get people sweet as honey. And uh, we're so excited that Pastor Les is here, and uh, with his wife, that's Gary's mom, and uh, Shane is a phenomenal pianist, and uh, there's uh, awesome stuff that happened in last year, I think, with the international, was it last year, with your students, and uh, that's so great. So if you want to play piano, some people play something, I'm play the choir, but he's phenomenal also. And uh, so are you ready this morning? Ask your neighbor, say fast in your seatbelt. Pastor Les, come and take liberty. Give him a God bless you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's excited to be in. Who's excited to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. It's always good to gather and to be able just to be able to spend time together in His presence. And uh, thank you very much for the welcome, Pastor Gustav. It's awesome to be in the house of the Lord. It feels like home from home. We're from the Eastern Cape, East London to be specific. And uh, been in the ministry longer than we care to remember. And uh, I think Pastor Gustav also knows that feeling. But uh, yeah, we've been around a while. Been around the block a couple of times. But uh, God is good. Amen. So this morning, we're going to see the hand of God move. I believe in a supernatural God who agrees with me. I also believe that we are a supernatural people. Amen. Who believes that they are supernatural. So I expect the supernatural on a daily basis in my life. Amen. You agree with that? Hallelujah. Yay, we got to get these guys talking to them this morning. Amen. So, we are yet to see the hand of God move today. You know, we, who's gone through the last two years? Alright. Wie was levendag die laaste twee jaar? Wie weet van COVID die laaste twee jaar? Okay, nou begin ons een beetje opwarm hier so. All right, so we've been through two years of some people hell, some people blessing, and it's not been a good year, a good two years for some people. It's been fantastic for others. You know, in the last two years, we have seen the birth of a ministry, and I'm not going to, that's not my message, but just to excite you a little bit, where there was no ministry, no church. And God has grown that church. With, we started in June 2020, and we carried it through. And today, that church is over 2,000 people strong. All right? Conservatively, that is what we can verify. We are led to believe it's actually bigger than that. But nevertheless, we have been blessed that we are actually touching nearly 100,000 people a month every month. All right? We were able to send 44 tons worth of food up to KZN. During the, the, the rights ad up there, remember a couple of months ago, we were able to send 44 tons of food within 24 hours of that right rolling, uh, breaking out. Through God's mercy and through God's grace. Don't you, know, you know how much food 44 tons is? It's a lot of food, guys. We've been able to start a Bible school. We've been able to do all kinds of stuff all during COVID. 
during COVID. Guys, get excited, young. Because God is good. But then there's other churches that will never, ever open their doors again. That's the sad part. That's the sad part. Because there are churches that have been a casualty of what's happened the last two years. But we are trusting God for the supernatural. We are trusting God to see the hand of God move in the lives of God's people. And that is what we are trusting God for. And that's what we are seeing happening in, in the lives of, the, of some people. Let's put it some people. But let me carry on and let me start preaching to you guys. I think I've got some, yeah, I've got some clock at the back there so I can watch that. All right, turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7 if you can. Next week I'm going to start reading from verse 1. So if you've got your Bibles with you, 2 Timothy chapter 1, read from verse 1. And it says this, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God, the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. What's your conscience like this morning? Do you have a pure conscience? I don't have the time to actually preach on that, but there's a sermon just there. Pure conscience, all right? Every believer should be operating, living with a pure conscience. Okay, nothing condemning you, nothing taking you away from the promises of God. A pure conscience. As my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers, night and day. Greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. That I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. The genuine faith. Do you know there's a fake faith? Do you know there's a form, a religious form of faith? Do you know that there's a difference between genuine faith and a fake faith? Do you understand that? There's a lot of people that talk the talk, but they don't walk the walk. Amen. There's a genuine faith and there's a fake faith. All right. So we need to understand that. There's another sermon there, but I'm not going to preach that one. All right. Which dwelt first in your grandmother, Lewis, and your mother, Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Therefore, I remember you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. Verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I want to minister this morning on, on the last verse, verse 7, that talks about the fact that we do have not been given a spirit of fear, but we've been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. During the last two years, I've seen fear grip the hearts of people. I've seen people go through major loss in their lives, losing loved ones, losing businesses, losing jobs. I've seen people being robbed in their life. The devil come and he steals and he kills and he destroys. And I've said, needed to see people stand up for God. I even put out sermons and stuff to try and encourage people, to help them during this time, because this time has been so devastating in some people's lives. But we need to restore hope. Now this year, 2022, I spoke, or Shane mentioned something just before we came through to the, to the main auditorium here about the fact that there's been a mindset change in December. 
And I agree with him 100% because I have seen the attitude change in people's lives as we came into 2020. It is was like or is like them saying enough's enough. We are going into a new dispensation, a new era, a new time, and we will not allow the past to constrict and to limit us any further. We are going forward in the things of the Lord and in life. And they've started not rebelling, but standing up against the onslaught of the devil. Because the Bible says it's only the devil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. My father is the author and the finisher of my faith. Not only that, he is the source of perfect gifts, number two. And he's also the source of perfect life. And that is where it comes from. So you and I need to understand that there has to be a mind change, a mindset, a paradigm change to be able to bring the change to bear on this, in this world. And that is where you and I stand today. People are desperate. They are void of hope. Now you should know this verse, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Do you know that hope is the foundation block of faith? If you don't have hope, you cannot have faith. Hope is a foundation block of faith. So what is hope? Hope is a future expectation. It's when you take something and you cast it into the future. I hope tomorrow I'll have my rent. I hope tomorrow it will be cooler than today. I hope tomorrow that, and you'll carry on and carry on. Because your hope is a future expectation. You're expecting something to happen and you're projecting it into the future. Now, faith gives that hope substance, and it pulls it out of the future into the present. All right? You understand? So you and I are in a place where we need to understand that without hope, you cannot have faith. And it's a foundation block. But it's in that state of hope where doubt normally comes in. It's okay to doubt, by the way. There's no problem in doubting. Let me tell you, let me paint you a picture quickly. You know the story of Peter walking on water? Have you guys read the Bible? Okay, because none of you responded there. Do you know the story about Peter walking on water? Amen. So now, remember that Peter was in a storm. In fact, all the disciples on the boat was in the storm. Yeah, the storm is lashing. And yeah, they see a figure come walking over the water. And as that figure starts walking over the water, fear grabs them. Fear. They even think it's a ghost because they don't know. But then as, they, as Jesus gets closer to them, he says to them, you know, do not fear. Peter then says to him, Lord, can I come? And the Lord says, Jesus says, come, simple word. Now remember, they are in a place of fear. But his hope is in what Jesus has just spoken. He steps out not in faith. He steps out in hope that that figure is Jesus, number one. Number two, the storm is not going to swallow him up. And that he's going to make it. He's not going to die. So he steps over the edge of the boat onto the water. And as he does that, he starts walking based on hope. But then doubt comes in as he sees the storm lashing around him. And as he sees that storm lashing, doubt enters his mind. He starts sinking. As doubt enters in, he starts thinking. 
And as he starts sinking into that water, guess what? One word. Help. Crying out to Jesus, help. Jesus responds immediately. Stretches out his hand. Peter grabs his hand and he walks back to the boat in faith with Jesus. You see, you and I need to understand it's not a sin to doubt. We also need to understand that doubt is not going to wipe out your, your, your faith. Listen to me. Because when you fall, you don't go back to the beginning and start over again. When doubt enters in and you cry out help in that, in that circumstance, and Jesus grabs your hand and you are raised up by faith, you continue from where you are. You do not go back to the beginning. And as you walk forward, you're walking in the strength of your faith, and your faith becomes stronger. You see, that's where genuine faith comes in. But you have to act on obedience. That word, come, when Jesus speaks, you have to obey. You cannot say, is that Jesus? Isn't that Jesus? Maybe it's not Jesus. Was that you, Jesus? I need 20 confirmations, whatever. You act in obedience on the instruction of the Lord, and you step out on that boat, and if doubt enters in, you scream help, and the Lord will grab your hand. You're raised up again, and you carry on. That is what faith does. So in this whole COVID pandemic situation, you and I need to cry out to God right now. And even as you treat January as in the principle of, of, of firsts, you need to understand and know this, that you every single day, it doesn't matter which day of the week it is, when you open your eyes in the morning, the first thing that you acknowledge in your life is Christ and the Holy Spirit in you. First thing, you open your eyes, you acknowledge Jesus, and you welcome the Holy Spirit. And you submit your life to Him so that He can guide you through that day. And in obedience, you then subject yourself to His instruction, to His guidance. That is how you and I live our lives. That is how we walk forward. So fear in the last two years I've seen fear take down many people. And fear is the enemy of faith. And you have to understand that your faith has to be strengthened. And your faith can only be strengthened by you being obedient to the word of God and stepping out. And doing what God tells you and I to do. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 says this. It talks about the fact that look unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of your faith. Also means that he composes it. He writes it. He's the originator of your faith. It's not you, by the way. You don't originate your faith. You don't write your faith. You don't express your faith. Jesus does. He's the author of your faith. And then he's also the finisher, which means that he's not going to leave your faith incomplete. He's going to take you the journey until you fulfilled that you become a great man and woman of God in faith. And your trust and your confidence is in him. Not in yourself. If you think you're going to build your faith, I've got some news for you. It ain't going to happen. It happens by obedience to the voice of the Lord. It happens in obedience and submission to the Spirit of God. And allow Him to do a work in you because He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He can do a much better job with your faith than you can. We are just obedient to the instruction of His Word and what His Word says. So we look unto Jesus then as the author and the finisher of your faith. That means that you have to be intimately and actively involved with him on a daily basis 
to build your relationship with Him as a foundation from which you can launch into the things of the day and the things of life. If you do not do that, you will find yourself just treading water and not moving forward. There has to come a, an obedience and an active participation in the relationship between you and Christ. Everything is birthed from that relationship in Him. Now, let's go back to our verse 7. You have not been given a spirit of fear, but you have been given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Now, power, we know in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, the Bible speaks about that when you receive the Holy Ghost, you will receive power. Amen? Who believes that? Half the congregation. Okay, cool. So, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. My question to you today is, what have you done with that power? And if you do receive that power, what do you intend doing with it? You see, I, don't, I see many believers that claim to be filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And there's many of them that do speak in other tongues that claim to be filled with the Spirit of God. But you know what? I don't see the power. And a Scripture says the first manifestation is power. And you do not and I do not always move in that power that the Holy Spirit has given to you and I. So I challenge people continuously because one of the things that we do, my wife and I as a couple, we want to see you live up to the full potential that God has made you for. So whatever God has ordained and you for a function that you're supposed to complete the task you're supposed to do, we want to see you enter into that, the fullness of it. And if that does not happen, we don't feel like we've achieved what we're supposed to do. So we want to see every believer active in the kingdom of God, doing the things that need to be done and to complete the tasks and the work at hand. Why? Because we want to see our Jesus coming back. Amen. We want to see his presence in our generation come back. So that we can go up and be with Him in heaven. Amen. What a glorious day. What an exciting time. Amen. So, when you receive the Holy Spirit into your life then, you should receive power. Yeah, you find that Timothy is talking about the whole power thing. That you have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power. And that is a spirit within you. What is that spirit? That spirit is the Holy Spirit. When you are born again, you receive the Holy Spirit into your life. He comes into you. In John chapter 20, verse 22, Jesus himself breathed over his disciples. And they received the Holy Ghost. Not the baptism, but the rebirth. And as you receive the Holy Spirit into you, the book of Corinthians in chapter 3 and in chapter 6 talks about the fact that you and I then become a temple. Have you ever visualized that? That there was a time when there was actually a, a structure, a building, there was a space that was allocated for the Ark of the Covenant to be. And God chose to be on the mercy seat between the wings of the cherubim on that seat. And that's where he lived. That's where he sat. That's where he was. And only the high priest could go in. But today, when Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood upon that cross, he made it possible for the Holy Spirit to rather come in and dwell every single one of us. So no longer is the presence of God locked up in a sanctuary or a holy place. 
you have become that sanctuary. You have become that holy place. So you are the bearer of the Spirit of God in you, which means that the power of God, not just a portion of it, not just a little bit of it, everything that God has is in you. Because the Holy Spirit carries the full arsenal of God's power. You have that power in you right now, even as you're sitting in this room. If you have accepted Christ into your life, you have that power inside of you. The problem is that we as believers don't believe that. And therefore, we do not walk in it. Let me pause there. I want that to sink in. Do you know that if COVID tries to come and attach itself to your body, you've got so much power inside of you that the minute it trespasses past the skin, that thing dies. Why? Because of the power that is resident inside of you. But if you don't believe that, we've got a problem. If you're not aware of that, we've got a problem. But I choose to believe that no sickness will come nigh my dwelling, nigh my body, nigh me. Why? Because by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. 2,000 years ago, he paid the price. That's the standard. Your declaration earlier this morning, when Pastor Gustav took the, the offering just now, he set standards that are in the Bible that he's trying to get you to live your life by. And if you don't believe it, you're not going to live it. But if you believe it, you will live it. So you and I need that power or to become aware of it. We all have it dormant inside of us. And we do not live according to that power that God has placed within us. Jesus himself, when the woman of the issue of blood came in Mark chapter 5, and she touched the hem of his garment, virtue, power, flowed from him into her by the demand of her, of her on that power in him. You see, when last have you come to the front and when the hands were laid on, you placed the demand so that power flows. You see, there has to be a demand that placed on that power. You have to believe that power exists. You have to believe that every single one of your bodies has the, is the temple of the Holy Spirit and you have the power inside of you. So you have received, you have the spirit of power inside of you. Number one. Number two, the Bible then talks about the fact that there is love. You shall have power. And then it says, and of love. Now, this is an interesting one. Because in Romans chapter 5 and verse 5, it says that the love of God is shed abroad within your heart. And then it carries on through the Holy Spirit. So, once again, if you are born again and you have accepted Christ into your life, you have the love of God inside of you through the Holy Spirit. So, He is love, God's love, the agape kind of love, unconditional kind of love is inside you and I by the Holy Spirit. So, now you have a challenge. What's that challenge? The challenge is you have to show and demonstrate that love. Okay? And because you've got to demonstrate and show that love, 
you've got a choice to make. So if you say to me, Pastor Les, I can't love. I've got news for you. Jy licht. Daar is nie een persoon in die hele kamer wat nie kan liefde kan wees nie. There's not one of you in this room that cannot demonstrate and show love. Because his love is in your heart. Let me take that a little bit further. If I have the love of God in me, and God instructs me, it's a command, to love God. It's not a request. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Love God. If you tell me you can't love God, I tell you, you lie. Then it tells me, love your neighbor even as you love yourself. Also not a suggestion. All right? We do not have a choice. We have to love one another irrespective of how difficult it may be sometimes. So we don't want everything inside of us cries out, I don't need to love this one. This one has hurt me. This one has offended me. This one has done some nasty and ugly things to me. I am not going to love this person. Impossible. I've got news for you. You don't have a choice. So if you choose not to love that person, you are in disobedience to the word of God. And when you are in disobedience to the word of God, what are you doing? You are rebelling against what God actually said. And what is rebellion? It is like witchcraft. So when you choose not to love, and we just take that thing a little bit down the road, you are toying and playing around in the domain of the devil. You are allowing him to come into your life and to rob you and to steal from you because you're leaving a door open. You are in a place where you should not be. So you have a spirit inside of you that motivates love and you and I have to, we don't have a choice, operate in love. Then the word also tells me, I love my neighbor even as I love myself. If you are hurting yourself, cutting yourself, doing stuff to yourself, wanting to commit suicide, all this kind of stuff, guess what? You ain't loving yourself. Guess what? You're going against the word of God again. You're again leaving a door open for him to come in and to bring damage into your life. You have to. It doesn't matter where you are. Paul had to deal with some stuff in his life. Thorn in his flesh. Whatever that may have been. But the word he got from God was, my grace is sufficient for you. You see, God does not want you to focus on self. God wants you to focus on him and on his kingdom. That's why he is a priority in your life. That's why he is number one. Because you and I have to walk in that truth. We have to walk in the truth of God in our lives. You have to come to a place in your life where you are 100% focused on the things of the Lord. It is on that level where you will start seeing the supernatural manifest in your life. 
the supernatural walk out. That's when you'll be like Peter. You walk past somebody, your, sh- your, 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 your shadow falls on them and they get healed. That is when you speak a word and the word manifests in your life. That is when that stuff starts happening. It is when you are so focused and consumed by the things of the Lord that things, houses, cars, jobs, things like that are of minor consequence. That lines up with Matthew chapter uh, 33 verse 6, by the way. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added unto you. Nowhere in scripture does God expect you and me to run after things. Nowhere. But he tells us on numerous occasions, run after me. You see, but people run after things. And that is where they spend most of their time. Let me just throw another, this is not in my notes, but let me throw this one out to you there as well. We took, Pastor Gustav took an offering just now, okay, allowed you to give. Do you know that your job should only be the seed in your life to be able to bless others? Your provision should supernaturally come from God. Which means that if something like COVID hits and you are locked down for doesn't matter how long, it does not affect you because your source is not your job. Your source is God. And therefore, whether you work or don't work, the blessing of the Lord is your portion anyway. And your provision is there anyway. Because we need to learn how to live if your salary doesn't come in for a month, two months, three months. How do you live? How do you make ends meet in that situation? It's not an easy one. But we have to go there. We have to learn that. We have to trust God for it. So now... We've learned about power quickly. We've learned about a little bit about love quickly. Let me just also just mention this on love quickly. Go. I want you to, in your spare time, maybe tonight, tomorrow, whenever, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Go from about verse 17, 18, Amplified Classic. Read that right through to the end, 20, verse 20. And you will find that love is the very foundation of your and my life. It says you need to be rooted and grounded in love to be able to see that blessing of the Lord that exceeds your thinking and your dreaming. Because when you are founded and rooted in His love, now rooted means that your very sustenance gets drawn from the love of God. That's the root of a plant. That's what anchors it and also feeds it. You have to be rooted and then grounded in love. God's love. For you, you have to know without a shadow of a doubt that God loves you, that he'll never leave you nor forsake you. Even if you drive an 140 in the 120 zone, doesn't matter. He's still with you. Amen. So you've got to understand that. All right. You will have to suffer the consequences if the cops catch you. All right. Jesus didn't say, I'll make the consequences disappear. He didn't say that. But he did say, I will not leave you nor forsake you. All right. So you have to understand then that you have to do that. Now the last one is this, a sound mind. Power, love, sound mind. In some translations you'll find it talks about self-discipline, self-control, a clear mind. 
Now, whatever it is, a sound mind talks about a healthy mind. It talks about a mind that's quick, that's fast, that's sharp, all right? That means that you, how many of you got photographic minds? Okay, there's a couple. Phenomenal. I'm excited. Because every single one of you have got the potential to have a photographic mind. That you will not forget things. That things will not slip. They will not go. And you will have wisdom and you'll be able to apply knowledge and you'll be able to do things and you'll be quick in those things. That is what you have at your disposal. And it is the combination of the power, the love, and then the word of God, the written word of God, because there's the washing of the word that takes place in your life when you read and study that word that brings you into a place of purity before him, a place of holiness before him. And by the way, I hope you don't believe in, in, in super grace or whatever you want to call it. All right, that outside on the outside. Because sometimes they teach that, you know, sin is no problem. Sin is a problem. Okay? And you live, have to live a holy life. That's just, you have to live a pure life. There's no way you can get away from that. You cannot just live whichever way you want to. The way Paul put it to the Romans in chapter 14 of the book of Romans, he said, listen, everything we know is undefiled. You'll find that around about verse 14. We understand that. But it's not beneficial. It's not going to help. It could actually be destructive. It can actually cause people to lose their salvation. That's when you're going to go into a problem area. And you don't want to do that. The last verse of that particular chapter, verse, I think it's verse 23 or so, the last verse of, of, cha of chapter 14, the last words of that verse says, if you don't operate out of faith, it's sin. That's a powerful statement. Because if you don't, you can be a believer. And if you're operating in unbelief, you're sinning, my bud. You're sinning. And you have to repent. And that's harsh words. But it is nevertheless truth. And therefore, you have to stand on God's word, and you've got to believe him for the impossible. So, I want you to understand that we are now moving into a place of the supernatural. And I'll, end, I'll stop there. There's more, but let me stop. We as believers, I believe that we've entered that time in our timeline of life or whatever you want to call it where we have to see what the great commission talks about it says these signs and wonders shall follow the preaching of the word i read some stats not too long ago that were done in our i think it was about 2016 2017 by the foundation that um billy graham's son is managing or controlling at the moment. And they commissioned a study in the States, but I believe it's pretty much applicable anywhere in the world. And in this particular survey, they wanted to find out how do you share the gospel with people? Because we don't see as much of it in South Africa. We fortunate because of what the Spirit of God has been doing. But in Europe, the USA, places like that, 
people don't want to go to church. All right. And the thing is that they, the church attendance and everything to do with that has gone down. You can actually go into places and talk about Jesus and they, they ask you, where does he live? What's his address? Just around the corner, is he maybe living in Bloberg? Was he living in, where is he living? You know? So they have got absolutely no clue who you're talking about. They don't even know that there's a God. So anyway, so these guys commissioned the study. And in the study, what they, what they wanted to find out was, how do you impact today's generation? And I'm not going to go through all the stats, but just to, to highlight one or two things for you quickly. The first thing that was very interesting is from the study they learned that people are not scared to talk about God or about the supernatural or miracles. Not, they don't have a problem with that. They'll engage you. They'll talk to you. Where the problem comes in, though, is that if you want to talk to them about the one and only God, they immediately shut up. Because they want to talk about Buddha, you know, they want to talk about Hare Krishna, they want to talk about Islam and Allah and all these things. They don't want to talk just about Jesus. You talk to them just about Jesus, we've got a problem. So they will not entertain you coming to them and trying to just teach them and talk to them about Jesus. They'll shut up to you. Then, the, then they found out, they said, okay, fine. If you don't want us to talk about God, the one and only God, but you are prepared to talk about the supernatural and about the things of the Lord, they said, what, what can we talk about? They said, first and foremost, you need to come and show me your God. So they don't want to hear about a God. They want to see it. They want to experience it. They want to know about it. So they want to experience God's power, miracle working power. They want to do all these things. And when I read that, I immediately went back to the Gospels. And I looked at the ministry of Jesus. And why so many people followed him. Wherever he went, he had a multitude. People would just flock around him. Why? Because in the ministry of Jesus, wherever he went, he met the needs of people in a supernatural way. If they were hungry, he fed them. The five loaves and two fishes, done on numerous occasions. When they were sick in their bodies, he would restore them. When they were demon-possessed, he would deliver them. Because people knew that when they were around Jesus their needs would be met. Provision was there. And therefore, that gave him entrance to start speaking about all the other things of the Lord. And I believe in these last days, and I believe we are in them right now, that we have to see the Joel 2 prophecy coming to fulfillment. That dreams, visions, miracles, all those supernatural activities has to manifest in the body of Christ. And you might say to me, Pastor Les, why? Let me tell you why. Because there has to come a clear distinction between the tares and the wheat, the sheep and the goats, etc., etc., and the true church has to be raised up. So that when people look at us, they see the true church. And when they see the counterfeit, there's no gray. It's black 
and white. And I believe we're in that time that every single person in this room, every person that's watching over the air right now, you are in a, a, a privileged position where I believe that if you will make the effort to press into God, become hungry and thirsty for the things of the Lord, make Jesus number one in your life, seek the Holy Spirit's activities, be obedient to his instruction that you will start entering into this, that whenever you walk into a room, the very atmosphere will change because of you ushering in the presence of God. Your shadow will fall on people just like Peter, and people will be healed, restored, and made whole. You'll lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. You might drink poison or something deadly and will not harm you. These things will manifest in the lives of the people of God. And he will keep us safe, walking according to his purposes and plan. So I believe that in these last days, we've got an exciting period ahead of us. Where we're going to see these things really manifest in an awesome way. So let me end there. But before I step down, let me just check one thing. If you're in this room this morning and you've never ever accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you can't give me a date, time, or place where you made that decision, then maybe today's your day. Maybe it's your opportunity to make right with your king. I know of many people that went that are attending church, going to church, but they can't give me a date, time, or place. They can't even remember when they accepted Christ into their lives. I was in a meeting not long ago. In actual fact, in December, where we were in a meeting, I won't name the place, I won't name the, the group, but there was about oh, 250 to 300 people there. And they were all born, supposed to be confessing Christians, all of them, because it was a Christian gathering. And when I challenged them to tell me date, time, and place, something like 58 of them put up their hands and said, I've never made a decision to follow Christ. I'll read the Bible, I see myself as a Christian, but I've never, ever accepted Christ into my life and made a decision. I cannot remember doing that. So if you're in this place this morning, or you're even on the air, and you can't remember ever making that decision to follow Christ, I want to challenge you this morning. And I want to say to you, maybe it's time for you to make that decision. Or maybe there's some of you that did make the decision, but you've grown cold indifferent to the Lord, just lived your own life. But today you want to make a fresh commitment and recommit your life to the Lord. There's an opportunity for you as well. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, those that want to make that decision today, will you just raise your hand very quickly across this place? You cannot remember date, time, and place. Just quickly raise your hand. doesn't matter where you are in this building. I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand. Anybody else? All over this building right now, I see that end. If you're in this place this morning and you have not, you cannot tell me date, time, and place, then maybe this is your time. Can I ask those people that have raised their hands, will you just stand very quickly where you are? Just stand. Just stand. I see there, one, two, the other, the, another one, there's a couple of more. There was three or four people that did this. There's one, two, three. I'm missing one. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. All right, that's okay. I've got my four. All right. You normally bring them to the front. Okay, can I ask the four of you just to quickly come to the front? Just make your way to the front here very quickly. I'm going to pray with and for you. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Just come up very quickly. Just come and stand in front of me here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is the most important decision any human being can make. You might say to me, Pastor Les, but why is that? Very simple. It's the only question that, it's the only thing that affects your eternal destiny. There's no other question that affects your eternal destiny. But the question, what are you doing with Jesus? What are you doing about Jesus? Everything else is earthly bound. This is the only one that affects heaven bound. So it's an awesome, awesome, awesome decision to make. So I would like everybody just to stretch your hands to these guys. We're going to just pray a prayer with them. We're going to ask them to pray with us. Will you just pray with us and just say, just pray after me. Say, Father, I come to you right now. I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. And I acknowledge that you are the Son of God. That you died and that you rose again. And today you are seated at the right hand of the Father. So Father, I now confess you as my King, as my Lord, and my Savior. I now thank you that I form part of your family. I am a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You see, it's a simple thing. It's purely a decision, acknowledging Jesus as the Lord, as, as Lord, and then accepting the fact that He is the Son of God, that He did die and He did rise again, and that He paid the price for your son. So let me pray for you. Father, I thank you right now, these four people that gave their lives to you this morning. I pray, Father God, that you will bring them in, draw them close. Father God, you'll demonstrate and show your love to them. Even all those people that are on the air this morning, draw them close, pull them in, Lord. Show them your, your love, Father God. Let your blessing be poured out upon them. I thank you, Lord, not one of these persons will be missing on that day when we meet you in the air that they'll all be part of the welcoming party. So, Father God, we now commit them into your hands. We thank you, Father God, that your angels are camped around about them, that you keep them safe in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Just, fo just follow one of the leaders. Okay, there we go. Turn to your right, left, whatever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay, I've got five minutes. So, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. There's going to be an awesome time tonight and we will be here and we will be part of that because I love praying for people. But I'm going to take this opportunity just to, just to minister to one or two people quickly and then, and then we'll take it, take it from there. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. I'm just looking for a person that I saw earlier on, but I don't see them now. Um, okay, I, I, I don't see that person. They must have got up and gone out. Uh, thank you, Lord Father. Thank you, Jesus. Right. That lady sitting on the corner there at the back with her torn jeans. Thank you, Jesus. Would you, can I pray with you? Would you mind just coming to the front? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. 
Hallelujah. Can I just have somebody behind you quickly? One of the ushers. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. When I looked at you at the back, I saw a lot of question marks. I saw like, you know, in your comics, you've got, you see a little drawing, you see a person when they don't know what's going on, you see question marks everywhere. I saw question marks. Okay. And the Lord says, but I'm bringing those question marks into order. He says, it will not be confusion. It might be like this, but, but it won't stay like that. The Lord says, clarity is coming to you. The first thing the Lord says that you need to be reminded of, destiny and purpose is written all over your life. Things have happened in your life where, where things have gone on, where your life, you could have lost your life. Okay, things could have gone wrong, horribly wrong. Yet in that situation, God protected you and God brought you through. And the things are going to, I see momentum increasing. I see like a, when a racing car accelerates, when they put their foot down at the start of a race, I see that kind of acceleration taking place in your life. As things start coming into, dire- into order and into direction. And as that acceleration takes place, the Lord says it will not take long. By the time that you are in your mid to, mid to late 20s, early 30s, much of the, 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 the shaping would have already taken place in your life. And you would have already escalated into the place that you need to be to fulfill the things that God needs in your, to do in your life. For the Lord says time is not, we do not have a lot of time. He says we cannot wait for you to reach 40, 50, 60 years of age to enter into destiny and purpose. He says that's why I'm escalating. He says you've got a pure mind. He says your mind is not cluttered with the dirt of the world. The way that you have been protected and cocooned in your life and as you walked forward into the things of the Lord, you have had that protection and therefore you've got purity written all over you. Protect it. Look after it. Do not shun it. Okay. Do not be robbed from any of that. The Lord says, I've given you favor already. I've opened doors. I also see an academic mind. I see somebody that's not, you've got, you've got a quick mind, you've got a fast mind, a sharp mind. I see somebody that's able to comprehend and, and analyze things. You're good at problem solving as well. You can look at a situation and it doesn't take you very long to fathom it out, to sort it out. The Lord says that's all part of your makeup and where you're going and what you're doing. Now, what I see in your life, I see, I see a lot of growth. I see a lot of green. I see a lot of trees, okay? And I believe that does not mean you're going to go into agriculture, okay? <laughs> all right, okay? But what I see is I see a lot of green. I see a lot of, a lot of growth. And I see a lot of beauty that comes with it. You like pretty things. You like things that are, that are cute, all right? And, and th- that's who you are. And the thing is that those things... The Lord says He has made you an instrument to bring beauty into other people's lives. All right? And you will carry forth that. Now, just raise your hands quickly. God says, I am anointing these hands to bring deliverance to the captive. Restoration of health to blind eyes. You will see the miracle working power of God not only work in you, but work through you. I will use you, the Lord says, to restore destiny and purpose. There's an impartation of the gift of wisdom, the gift of knowledge upon your life 
that you will look at somebody and you'll actually see exactly what their problem is. And actually, it's already happening. You can already look at people and actually see already what's running on in their lives. But the Lord says, I will give you the wisdom to go with that. Not only will you see the problem, you will have the solution. And you will bring restoration to many, not only individuals, but families. All right, even at a young age. And you're not going to have to counsel for hours and hours. It'll be one sentence, two words. It'll be quick, it'll be effective, and it'll be done. And the Lord says, you will walk. A walk. You will be a blessing to your family. You will restore them financially. That which they've lost, you will put back. Because God has given you a generous heart not to hoard up and keep for yourself but distribute and give. Thank you, Jesus. So right now, Father, I pray for a hedge of protection around her right now in Jesus' name. I see angels encamped around about you. You're going to wake up in the early hours in the morning and God is going to speak to you. Make note, journal, diarize, write down everything that comes to you. I also see books, but not books like heavy academic stuff. I see books of inspiration, motivation in Jesus' name. So Father, right now, Fold, 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 fold right now in Jesus' name. Roboshinder Babanda Kishelebriana Koshono Babanda Rabishinder Boba. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I'll do one more and then we're going to close. All right. Thank you, Jesus. Vranti Shimon Dorobashele Brabakashele Brabon Korobashele Vontros Bandri Shileri Gondros Labrakishilebrian. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory. Glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's somebody in this room you need to make some decisions. What hectic decisions. Where are you? Where are you? Come. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Raise your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The Lord says, I have not given you a spirit of fear. The confusion that's come upon your heart and life regarding these decisions, the Lord says, is because of the fact that you have not focused on the fact that the greater one is in you. You're trying to come from an intellectual perspective, and the Lord says, that ain't going to work. If you're going to try and reason this out, it ain't going to work. Because it's not of the intellect, it's of the spirit, says the Lord. You have to allow my spirit to guide you. Go about it according to the small, still voice in your spirit and in your heart. Not according to your brain. 
Because there is no logical explanation. The inspiration comes from the Spirit. Now the Lord says, you're saying, but Lord, I can't hear your voice. That is not true, says the Lord. You hear my voice every day. You actually respond to me and you actually talk to me. So on this one, the Lord says, listen. Listen to the Spirit of the Lord. So what do you do? You go according to the peace that guards your heart. Go according to the peace. Now it might not be a popular choice, the Lord says. But it'll be the choice that'll bring a restoration and a healing and make whole that which is broken. You know what I'm talking about. Amen. So the Lord says right now, I impart to you peace. You actually already know what decision to make. You already know. Go with the peace. Father, right now, thank you that your mind is clear. I thank you, Lord Jesus. You will not make the wrong decision, but you'll make the decision that is that's inspired by God. And Lord, I thank you for the healing process that is quick. The restoration is quick. In Jesus' name. Fire. There's the anointing. There it is. There it is. Thank you, Jesus. Free. Rejoice, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you blessed this morning? I ask, are you blessed? Say, I'm too blessed to be pressed. Hallelujah. And the next Sunday, we're going to have a great baptism uh, service here as well. And many people signed up out of the 8 o'clock service to be baptized. And we have a lot of Dutch Reformed people and Anglican and Presbyterians coming to that service. And uh, that's going to be great this coming Sunday night also. The prayer list. Let's stand and we're going to thank the Lord for this phenomenal morning. Hallelujah. Turn to somebody say, I am blessed. Hallelujah. Beyond measure. Say beyond measure. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Says Jean, come and pray for us. Father God, we come boldly into your throne room through the precious blood of the Lamb and give great thanks to you for this morning's word. It's your word. I thank you, Lord, that it's gone into our hearts that we'll become doers of your word, not just hearers, Lord. And Father, we thank you that whoever's given the word in the different services in Loftal International today, that they will speak the revelations that you have given them, that we will have changed lives, that we will be those that will go forth and proclaim your love, your word, your gospel. Father, we just say thank you for each and every one. And Lord, even as we go on our way, we say thank you that your angels are going with us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for everything that you do for us. Thank you, Lord, that we're going and progressing more and more into the kingdom of God, into the things of the Spirit. 
and that you will take us by the hand and lead us, Almighty Shepherd, into everything you have planned, purposed, and destined for us. For we are your willing children, Lord. Pour out your Spirit upon us and let us go, go in power and might of the Lord Jesus Christ, in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. <laughs>